If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17 will be our springboard this morning for looking at a couple of things that I have been uh, praying that the Lord will accomplish at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church in the year 2011. Each year I take the first Sunday of the year to preach what I call a State of the Church Address, borrowed from what our president does in his annual State of the Union Address. And my goal is to always try and briefly assess, give some high points of what God has done in the previous year, and then share a few things that God has laid on my heart and that we are preparing for as a staff, and I hope that you will be a part of in the upcoming year. I went back and looked over my notes of 2010, kind of evaluate and see where we were. Uh, and I was just wondering, how many of you remember the goals we talked about for 2010? Yeah, it's about what I thought it was going to be today, doing that. Well, the high points uh, were that I wanted to, uh, to encourage us and challenge us to focus on evangelism, reaching people for Christ, uh, to have leadership development within our church, and then to be faithful in our giving. We did okay in two out of the three uh, of those I look back over the year. Uh, in the area of reaching people for Christ in 2009, uh, 34 people came to know Christ and made that public profession of faith uh, at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. In 2010, 70 people uh, came to know Christ as our Savior and Lord and publicly professed that last year. Uh, so doing the math on that, that averages to over you know one a week that came to know Christ last year. So that's exciting that people are hearing the gospel and they're responding to the gospel uh, through the work and the ministry and the efforts that are taking place here. And in addition to the 70 additions through professions of faith, uh, 61 people united with our church through a transfer of letter or a statement of faith last year uh, for a total of over 130. So God added to our number weekly last year, people uh, who were coming to faith in Christ and people who were joining us to help be a part of the work of what the Lord is doing here. Now, the second area we talked about was that of leadership development. And honestly, that's one of those things where you never fully arrive. I mean, it's a constant process, and no matter what you do, there's always more to do, and that's okay. We understand that, and, and because it's an unfinished work doesn't mean we ever stop and say, well, I guess we don't need to worry about it because we're never going to complete it. We're always in the process, and I felt like we took some good steps this last year and are going to continue doing that, both developing people personally and individually, but also corporately in the church. Uh, also, in the course of the last year, uh, looking at leadership structures, and how those things work with our board of directors and our finance team, our personnel team uh, in particular, helping to foster greater communication and help understand the roles of how those things fit together. And so you need to recognize this, that every church uh, has a, a kind of a culture, a history of how uh, things have, have been done and taken place. And they also, that comes with both written and unwritten expectations and rules of how things will go. And then every pastor that comes in carries those same things, uh, previous experience along with his thoughts and philosophies and ideas of what things will look like. And then the people involved, uh, both in the church body, but also in leadership areas have those same spoken and unspoken rules and expectations and trying to understand and what's taking place. And so it takes a while to help understand those things, develop roles and find out uh, what the roles are, the responsibilities and how things function. And we're still in that process. While it may feel like an eternity, I've only been here 18 months. It feels like much longer than that some days, but uh, most days it's, it's been a very, very short period of time. And so we're still working on finding that chemistry uh, and learning more about one another in this area. But I feel like we've taken some good steps in the course of this last year. 
On a personal development note, uh, God's raised up some great leaders in both our lay leadership as they've served in these different areas this year. Uh, most of you know Mike George, uh, who's been our interim worship leader this last year. Mike has done a tremendous job stepping in and filling in in that role uh, because not only does Mike do what he does here and he does a good job at it, but Mike works a full-time job and is very successful in that job and what he does. And on top of those two things and having a family as he spoke of, Mike managed to take some courses this last year from Liberty University as he pursues his education and prepares for the call of ministry that God has placed upon his life. And so it's been great to see Mike grow this last year and see what the Lord's doing uh, in his life. As Mike is beginning his education, Michael Moore finished his education this last year. And Michael came on staff in a part-time capacity, doing what he loves to do most, uh, working in evangelism uh, and outreach. And so it's a great blessing to have Michael uh, and, and Joe as well, Wes, uh, these guys on staff to be able to lead and help direct us, but also to preach. I've been thankful they could fill in this last year. I'm always glad when I come back from not preaching a week or two that my key still fits the door, you know, because those guys do, they do such a good job. And I know that you all have expressed uh, enjoying hearing them uh, in the course of the last year. So those are a couple of high points. And, and I just, I don't have time to go into sharing all the notes and, and words of encouragement from people who visited our church or people who visited and then, and then joined our church and why they joined to just talk about how you've loved on them and welcomed them and made them feel at home. Uh, other people talked about how they've been so uh, blessed and ministered to through our MOPS ministry, our mothers or preschoolers, those ladies connecting there. The Apples of Gold is another ministry. I hear tremendous uh, reports and get a lot of notes and emails about what the Lord is doing in people's lives through that. And then our military personnel. I hope you know and understand what an impact you're making on the men and women who are serving in this area and their families uh, as you love on them and, and welcome them to this church. They, they've sent notes and emails saying it's great to have a church that, that welcomes us and allows us to come in and be a part of it by serving and participating in all that's going on. And so we have the opportunity to really impact people's lives on their way through. We're a sending agency in a lot of ways with the military community and how quickly that turns over sometimes. So I applaud you for embracing that opportunity and for taking these steps to welcome people and help them uh, be plugged in and, and feel involved and, and uh, connected to Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Well, let's turn now a little bit to this year, some upcoming years, some things the Lord has been setting on my heart uh, to challenge us in. And let's, by looking at Acts chapter 17, verse 11 of Acts chapter 17 tells us that these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Now, when you read that verse, the, the first part of it there, it's actually a little bit of a slam on the Thessalonican Jews. And that's because when Paul came to Thessalonia and was preaching and sharing the gospel, the Thessalonians basically went, la, 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 we don't want to hear. No, stop talking about Jesus. We're not listening to you. And they, they totally rejected and resisted what Paul was saying to the point that they didn't just say, no, we don't want to hear it. They actually assembled a mob together who came looking for Paul, and they were going to, at minimum, beat him up really badly, or at worst, they were going to kill him for preaching the gospel. Now, you can say that is a less than receptive audience to hearing the gospel. Well, so that's what it says that the, the Berean Jews were more noble than the Thessalonican Jews because when Paul arrived in Berea, you see the believers in Thessalonica said, Paul, you got to get out of here. They're going to kill you. So they snuck him out of town and sent him on to Berea. Well, when Paul came to Berea, he started preaching the gospel as he did everywhere he went. And the Bereans were more open and receptive. And this verse tells us that they examined the scriptures daily to see if the things that Paul was telling them were true. 
And one of my aims for this body of believers is that we, like the Bereans, will examine the scriptures daily. I pray that each and every person who's a member who connects with this body of believers in, in attendance will spend time daily reading God's word and talking with God in prayer. Those, those are two things that I pray over and over again. You've heard me say those things over and over again. And that's because they are a fundamental part of who you are and who you should be as a Christian. You should spend time reading God's word and in prayer with him on a regular and consistent basis. I believe it should be daily, but to not make it legalistic, like it's something where you go, oh yeah, I got to read my Bible and pray today. You know, like you're checking it off of a list. It shouldn't be a chore that you do. It should be a desire of our heart to spend time in relationship and to develop that relationship with God. I mean, I mean it's like husbands, you don't just say, well, yeah, I got to spend time with my wife today, you know, so she feels loved and cherished and all that kind of stuff. Because she knows that you're doing it that way, all right? You don't get credit for that time in relationship, okay? We should want to spend time with our wife, with our spouse, because it helps the relationship grow stronger. Uh, you know, we're, we're more content. We're more fulfilled. It helps our marriage. It helps our family by spending time and building and fostering that relationship. And so we should desire, we should want to do that in our relationship with God. Experts tell us we should drink how many ounces of water every day? Does anybody know? 40, I've heard 64, 64 ounces of water a day. Anybody ever tried to drink 64 ounces of water a day? Man, they say it's a big help in weight loss, and I know why, because your trips back and forth to the bathroom then count as exercise, you know, when you drink that much water in the course of a day. I mean, it's just like you're sloshing around. Well, that's what they say to be healthy, you know, to, to have best performance and functioning in your body, 64 ounces of water a day. Well, if you are not spending regular time, I would say daily time, reading your Bible and in prayer with God, you're not experiencing the fullness and the abundant life that Christ promised and desires for you. You're dehydrating spiritually by not taking that time to fill up on God's word and in prayer with him. So I encourage you and I challenge you, and I'll get a lot more specific next week as we kick off our radical study and we see this challenge set a little bit more before us, but to spend that time in in Bible reading and in prayer with God. And something that we're doing as well in the area of prayer is we're going to begin having time in corporate intercessory prayer. You see in your bulletin that next Sunday evening, five o'clock, uh, we're going to gather together and we're going to pray. And it's kind of a guided prayer time. We, we come with topics and we just spend time in prayer with God. We're going to spend about an hour in prayer. Jesus asked the disciples, could you not tarry with me one hour in prayer? And so if you've never done that and would like to kind of see what it's like or maybe grow to that goal, then I invite you to come and be a part of that. Uh, we're going to seek to do that monthly, but, but here's the thing. If if we move the week or don't have it for a month, it's not that we're saying prayer is not important or, or something like that. Things happen, so uh, we, we're just going to be flexible with that. But we're shooting for a monthly time where we'll spend together uh, in prayer, just seeking God's face corporately as a body. And my hope is that what we learn from that time corporately will we'll then take back to our prayer closet and our personal time with God as we grow deeper in our walk, in our relationship with him in that way. But you see, it said the Thessalonian Jews were not as noble as the ones in Berea. And we see that it wasn't just a situation where they didn't want Paul in their city because when they found out that Paul was in Berea preaching about Christ, they sent some of the riffraff that started their mob over to Berea and they got an uprising against Paul telling him, we don't wanna hear about this gospel anymore. And Paul actually had to leave Berea fearing his life again as well. So he traveled on to the city of Athens. And while in Athens, Paul displayed and shows us what's been my second prayer for us in 2011, which is this, it is a holy discontent, 
a holy discontent. Paul, it says in verse 16, it says, Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. You see, Paul didn't just go to Athens and sit in a room and wait for his ministry partners to show up. He got out and he walked around the city and he went to the marketplace and he saw their, you know, what they were buying and they're selling and their, what they were eating. And he saw those things there and he went to the centers of their religion and he saw what they were worshiping and what they were doing in these temples and the false gods that they were following. And, and Paul went and he saw their art and he saw their, their philosophers and he heard them teach and share about these different philosophies. And as he did this, the Bible says his spirit was provoked within him. It upset Paul to see these things. It bothered him to see these needs of people, to see their hunger for spirituality and, and that following after these things, but knowing that they were lost, that they were apart from Christ, and it burdened Paul. And he was determined to do something about it. So you know what he did? He shared the gospel. He went every place he could and began to preach and teach and share about Christ and debate with those who, who wanted to debate with him and ask him questions. But he engaged people. But you know how Paul did it? He did it with things from their culture and in, in places and in ways that they understood and where he could connect with them. And I have been praying, church, that there will be a holy discontent among God's people. I pray that as we look around us and we see people who are lost and hurting and who need Jesus Christ, that we will be provoked within our spirit to do something about it, to begin to pray and to get on our knees and say, God, stir within me something to help me be the person you want me to be, Lord, to help meet these needs and minister to these people who are in such great need. And I pray that we'll get up off of our knees and then we'll go out and we'll do something about it. I pray that our lives, and it's part of the impetus that came for, for me wanting to do this radical study. I pray that we will rise above average church, especially the average church in America. Because you know what's taking place with the average church in America and, and within the life of the average believer in America? Not much. Not much. We've got more resources, bigger buildings, more people, things than we ever have in the history of the church. And baptism rates are the worst that we've ever seen because we're not sharing the gospel. I shared about persecuted believers sharing their faith. People are dying because they're telling people about Jesus Christ around the world. I couldn't get people within our church sometimes to go and share their faith with a cattle prod, let alone think about going and doing it if they faced persecution. Church, what's wrong with us? What's happened to us? And I've been praying, Lord, create this holy discontent, provoke within us, stir within us, because it starts with us. Many of us quote, and you know, 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, we talk about that as a verse of revival, if my people, it starts with God's people. It starts with us, it starts with me, and it starts with you. And it's been my prayer that God will provoke this within us. He will create this holy discontent that we will not be satisfied with status quo. As I've been thinking about this, I remembered back to one of my seminary classes and we talked about uh, great revivals in history and great spiritual awakenings. And we looked at those things and some of the things that were happening prior to those awakenings and what, what uh, took place within that. And I've prayed for a long time that, that God would allow me in my lifetime to see such a worldwide revival and great awakening. It is a deep burden of my heart that we would see an incredible outpouring of God's Holy Spirit like we have not seen uh, in well over a century 
uh, in our world today. And I, and I prayed for that. And I remember in this class as we were looking at that, discovering this thing and going, that's amazing. That every great revival and spiritual awakening that's happened in history has started within the generation of people under the age of 30. It's with students with young adults, that God uses that zeal and that energy and that passion. He creates that holy discontent within a generation that says, what are we doing? What are we going to do? How are we going to live our lives for the sake and the cause of Christ? And they, they, they get on fire, and God uses that zeal to impact the world with an incredible outpouring of his Holy Spirit. God's been doing that historically, and I've been praying that God will do that again. And that's why I'm so glad that God led Joe Mays to our church last year. Uh, Joe and Allison have been here about four months, and he and I were talking last month. I meet with the different staff pastors and talk about what's going on in their areas. Uh, Joe was talking about student ministry stuff, and he said, hey, can I update the church on what's going on? Because he said not everybody has students in the student ministry. Maybe they have kids, or maybe their kids are grown, so they really may not know all that's going on. Can I give an update? And I said, why don't we do that in the state of the church address to kind of, as we're looking at 2011, because I'm excited about what God's doing. And I think you're going to be excited uh, when you hear some of that. So I asked Joe if he would come and kind of tell you some of the things that the Lord's doing, but also some of the things that they're doing and how they're preparing uh, for the year 2011. So he's going to update you on that. And I encourage you as you hear these things to celebrate and rejoice and then continue to pray for Joe and Allison, our students in the student ministry. The first four months here at Mount Pleasant has been exciting. God is doing something great in our student ministry. And I want to let you know about some of the things God is doing. First, let me tell you this. We have a great, great group of students who are passionate about God and passionate about sharing, sharing the gospel with their lost friends. Um, this, this past October, we took 73 people uh, to Camp Willow Run for our middle school retreat. And then in November, November, we took 36 people to Camp Kahuki for our high school retreat. If you add those together, we took about 109 people this past fall to just take them away from the church setting and disciple them. Also, on Wednesday nights, Michael Moore has taken our students through the way of the Master, teaching the students how to effectively share the gospel with their lost friends. Uh, my first Wednesday night here in September, we had about 35 students here. Um, and through the help of Michael and some of our, our adult leaders, the, Sunday, or the Wednesday night before we had our Christmas party, we had 68 or 69 students here. God is doing something great on our Wednesday nights, and God is really working the lives of our students. Uh, speaking of the way of the Master, we took our students to feed the, the poor and the homeless in Richmond in October, and we had a sixth grader who came back who stands about this tall, and she has gone through the way of the Master, and she said, Joe, guess what? I was able to share Christ with someone who, di who didn't know Him. She goes, I asked him some questions, and it was evident that he didn't know Christ. So what I did is I asked him if he wanted Christ. He said yes. So I walked him through the gospel message, and I prayed with him, and he accepted Christ right there. If there's a sixth-grade girl that can do that, adults, we can do that as well. We've also had many or a few students who have come to know Christ and been baptized here at the Mount in the last several months. Much of our excitement here in our student ministry is looking towards the future, looking towards the year of 2011. As we have grown on Wednesday nights, we are running out of space, which is a good problem to have. And we look forward to starting our Wednesday night worship service on January 12th. If we run out of space before we even start our worship service, I think God has something great in store for us starting January 12th when we start our worship service. 
Then starting next Sunday evening, January 9th, we will begin small groups at our church members' homes. We will be studying through the book Crazy Love. I'm praying that our students will be as challenged as our leaders have been as we have studied through uh, this series. If our student ministry will take this study seriously, as we also study Radical in Sunday School, God will use these next few months in some incredible ways to challenge us and, and really move in our lives. We're also planning a uh, going on a Dare to Share conference on February 11th and 12th to challenge our students even more to continue to share the gospel with their lost friends. Then March 18th or the 20th, we will have our first ever disciple now here at the Mount. I'm excited about a worship band called Exodus from Liberty University coming to lead us in worship. And some of our own college students will be coming back home to, to be with our students that weekend, to share the gospel with them, to disciple them in a small group setting. Our goal for that weekend is to have 125 to 150 students as part of our Disciple Now weekend. And then this summer, we'll be as busy and active as ever. We're going to Garden City on July 10th to the 15th. Then our mission trip is going to take place in New Orleans, Louisiana on July 23rd to the 31st. We're taking both high school students and middle school students to New Orleans. And our plan is that they are going there together, but they will be doing separate projects. Our high school students will be doing some construction work. They will also be working in some of the places that are trying to get developed back up. And then our middle school students will be working with the church doing some backyard Bible clubs and VBS type work. Then during the afternoon, we will take our students to go and practice some of what they have learned in the way of the master. And they will be doing evangelism down in the French Quarter of New Orleans. And our prayer, our prayer is that the gospel would expand as they share the gospel, not only in our community, but throughout the nation. So you might ask, how can you pray for us? Well, here's a few ways. Pray that our Wednesday nights would continue to grow as we begin our worship service. That God would use what we're doing on Wednesday night to be a catalyst in our student ministry to reach the students uh, in this community. Also, that as we begin our Sunday night small groups, that God would challenge us to love Him with the crazy love that He has towards us. You can also pray for our disciple now that as we join together in the Word together, that we would be challenged by it. You can pray for us as we go to Garden City this upcoming summer, that it wouldn't just be another year of going to camp, but, but a time where, we, where our students truly come and meet with God. And then finally, you can pray for our mission trip to New Orleans, that as as our life, that our lives would be changed as we try to impact the nation for Christ. One other way that you can help support our student ministry is starting next, next Sunday night or next Sunday morning, uh, we are going to be doing a thing called Happy 100s. Starting next week and throughout the month of January, we are doing Happy 100s. We are asking 100 people to donate $100 towards our student ministry. It can be a one-time gift or a cumulative gift throughout the year. We have students who, they do want to go to summer camp. They want to go to Garden City. And they want to go to our mission trip. But when you're asking students and parents to pay $550 in a span of about three weeks on two events, it can take a toll on them. I would hate for us as a, as a church or as a student ministry to ever deny a student to be able to go on any of these type of events that's going to challenge them and help reach others for Christ. So starting next week, there will be envelopes available. We'll have a table out, out in the foyer. You can help support our student ministry by, by giving a scholarship to some of the students who cannot afford that. And hopefully that money would be used to impact this nation and this community for Christ. Thanks.
So there are some exciting things taking place. Continue to pray uh, for Joe and for Allison and for our leaders and our student ministry and for our students as well. Well, Paul's discontent led to sharing the gospel. He was moved to do something. And I want you to look down in verse 22 to see a little bit on the methodology. How did Paul actually share the gospel? Uh, because he had been out preaching in public, he was invited to come and speak to a gathering of philosophical and religious leaders. In verse 22, he says, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship. So here again, Paul was out, he was looking, he was seeing their culture, what was taking place, and he connected with them using examples and illustrations from things that he had saw. He was where the people were. He goes on and says, I found also an altar with this inscription, to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. So Paul took this illustration, this thing that he saw in their culture, and he used it to begin sharing about Jesus Christ. And, and he used God's word to do that. And look down in verse 28, the last part of verse 28, Paul even makes this statement. He says, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. So he quoted something from, from their poets, from their literature uh, to use as a point of helping move them into a deeper understanding of the gospel. The point of this is that Paul was with the people. He connected with them where they were, even using uh, their poets and things in their language that they were common, famil commonly familiar with to help move them into understanding the gospel message. This is a fundamental component of the philosophy that, that I hold and that our staff are trying to build into our life and ministry at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church, that we connect with people, that we get outside of the walls, that we get where people are and we connect with them in ways that they can understand and they can recognize and then we move them and we are we seek opportunities to plant seeds and share the gospel of Jesus Christ this is not a small thing this is a huge thing it's not a hey come and see it's a let's go and tell and it's a very very important thing for us to understand and grasp individually and personally because for the church to do evangelism in that way corporately it falls on you and it falls on me. It is our individual responsibility to connect with people, to engage, uh, and to meet them where they are and seek opportunities to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So this morning I asked Michael Moore if he would come and kind of give you uh, some information, some ways that you can plug into our methodology of doing outreach and evangelism, how you can be a part of the work of evangelism we're doing as a church corporately. And I want you to do more than just hear and go, oh, well, that's good. Now I know something. I want you to hear this and say, I want to get involved. I want to get plugged into that and decide today how you will do that, how you will get plugged into and connected to some of the work and efforts that we're doing corporately in, in doing evangelism and sharing the gospel. So Michael, tell us what's going on, brother. Thank you, Pastor Curtis. Uh, one of the things we did in our Sunday school class last year is we took a bunch of guys out fishing. Who likes to go fishing here? Anybody like to go fishing? Now, have you been, have you gone out fishing when I pick on you, you now see, you wish you didn't raise your hand now, right? Have you ever been out fishing, and how many times do fish actually jump in your boat? Never. Never. Doesn't happen, right? It's the same way with the gospel message in Matthew 20, 18 through 20. It tells us, therefore, go and make disciples. So if we're going to do that, we have to actually leave the church and make things happen. And one of the things we do is through a visitation program here on Tuesday nights. We consistently have 8 to 10 people who show up every Wednesday night to go out and share the gospel message. We have people who, who like to stay here and write cards. But whatever it is, you've got to do something. Uh, the Sunday school classes have been broken up into Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they take us uh, one Tuesday night 
Every month they come out and visit people in their class. It's been so instrumental in going out and seeing people. I know me and Joe went and made a very awesome visit to someone who had fallen away from the church, and they'd been here for a long time. We went, and, you know, we just talked to them and, and heard their concerns with them. And finally, we, we got to it, and we just said, look, the gospel's got to be enough. For other people coming to know Christ, it's got to be enough. And that person's been here every single week since we made that visit. It's not about us. It's about showing that we care, and we want them to grow. We have people, I know, and uh, Fred and me go out, uh, visit when we have the connection cards. People actually like to put on their cards that I want to know how to become a believer. I want to know Jesus Christ. We fight over those cards because we want to go and share the gospel with people. And it's so exciting. And, and some of you, maybe you don't feel comfortable doing that. Well, just show up and we'll pair you up with somebody who is comfortable with it. I remember the first time that I went out visit, visiting on a um, Tuesday night, I was told as a teacher I had to go out visiting, and I'd never done it before, and I was petrified. And so I told the class that, hey, show up and be a part of visitation. And one lady actually showed up that week looking forward to watching me witness to somebody who I had never done it before in my life, and I didn't want to let her know I didn't know what I was doing. So we went up to the, the, the doorway. It was upstairs, and I knocked on the door, and I was praying. And she was, she was praying for God to work, and I was praying for them not to open the door because I did not know what was going to happen, right? But you have to trust in the Spirit to do the work. And that's what visitation is about. But be a, part of, be a part of that program. The other thing we did this year and we'll continue to do is we did a concert. We brought uh, Sidewalk Prophets in here, a Dove Award winning group. Now, the thing about when you do concerts, music styles aren't going to be, um, everybody's not going to like it. But you know one thing about that concert, all the work that went into it, I got an email that some lady turned their life over to Christ that night. And they went forward, and that night the angels rejoiced. And all that work went in, it should be enough. We should be enough. We should rejoice that the angels are rejoicing because heaven has got one more person they can look forward to having one day. The other thing we do is servanthood evangelism projects. When we go out and we, we last year we dropped 400 batteries on the southern end of the city of Colonial Heights. And my goal is that every door in the city of Colonial Heights gets knocked on and gets an invite to church and the gospel invitation. That is our goal, and that is a more um, non-confrontational way of sharing the gospel. The other thing we're going to do is, is figure out, we joke around on the staff meeting, like I told Curtis, that everything is outreach. And it is. Everything is an outreach opportunity. And I think about with the, the Martin's 10K coming up this year, we need to have a, a 10K training program right here in our church. And that's one of the questions I get asked uh, a lot. People look at me and say, Michael, how do you stay so fit? And, you know, we're doing that. Not that funny. Not that funny. And we're doing that, you know, it's not up to me. I, I mean, I know a lot of people like running, and I like watching them run. It's not my forte to be a part of a running program. So maybe God has called you to be a part of that program and do that. If God has laid on your heart something that you're passionate about and that we can reach people for Christ through that, by all means, let me know. We'll plug you in. But we can reach people, and we can change this world. We can be obedient to Second Chronicles seven fourteen and have a revival in this nation by just going and doing something. So, church, be in prayer about how you can be a part of the revival of this church in this nation. Thank you. So I want to encourage you to pick one of those Tuesday nights to be a part of uh, outreach and visitation with us as we have Servanthood Evangelism Projects and other outreach events this year. Come and be a part of those uh, to serve in those things, but also uh, to use those things as opportunities to invite people uh, to those different events. 
Well, lastly, and we'll wrap up here, one of the things that uh, impacts our evangelism on a corporate level, it doesn't impact us uh, personally because we have a clear command from Scripture that every believer is to seek every opportunity we can to share the gospel and to help uh, lead people to Christ. And so that responsibility falls to us regardless. Uh, but how that impacts us corporately, one area, is that of our giving. I mentioned earlier that we did pretty well in two of our three categories last year. Uh, our giving still left a little to be desired in 2010. Uh, we were well under our 2010 budget on paper. And we actually, as far as actual receipts go, were under what was given in 2009 as well. And so that led to some pretty significant reductions. Uh, we're going to be doing some things a little bit differently in 2011 uh, as far as that goes. Uh, you know, Joe just talked a little bit about the Happy 100 Club to be a part of that with our students where you can uh, give and, and support some scholarships. Those were some of the areas that we kind of had to pull back out of our regular budget just because the dollars aren't there. But we need to support these things. And so we'll have some different fundraising opportunities this year. It's not unbiblical or, or, or anti-biblical for us to uh, to be able to support our mission efforts and some of those initiatives that are taking place. So you'll see some opportunities uh, to do those things this year. But our evangelism can be impacted by our giving or our not giving if we don't have dollars and resources to be able to do some of the things that we want to be able to do uh, to help reach out and connect and engage people where they are. And in that vein, you know, I've shared before that, uh, you know, as far as giving goes, I just challenge you to be faithful. It's an issue that's between you and the Lord ultimately. I don't look at giving records. I, the only person I know what they give in the church is, is me on behalf of our family. Uh, so that's between you and the Lord, but I just trust you to do that, to be faithful to what scripture teaches in giving of your tithes and of your offerings and just trusting the Lord to use that and to bless it. But one thing that I have always uh, encouraged and challenged is that we would be people who grow in our giving. Just as we grow in our other spiritual disciplines, giving is a spiritual discipline. So I've challenged people to do that. And I was making a hospital visit this last fall. And I know when I left, I was so much more encouraged than the patient that I, that I went to see that day because they shared with me what the Lord was doing in their life and, and a decision they had come to. And it was that principle being put into practice. And I was like, Lord, thank you so much that you're doing this work in people's hearts. And so rather than me tell you what was going taking place. I'm going to ask uh, Jay and Kim Abernathy if they would uh, to make their way up. I was visiting with Jay and he shared with me something the Lord had laid on his heart and he had Kim had talked about and they had prayed. And so rather than me tell you and to encourage you to what the Lord's doing, but also to challenge you to hear what Jay has to say that the Lord may stir within your heart, something very similar as well. So, you know, Jay and Kim, many of you, but there are some new faces out here. So because there are some new faces, not only in this area that we're talking about, but just historically with some health stuff. Why don't you give the congregation an update on where you are because we prayed for you. Maybe not everybody knows the most current status of where things are for you health-wise. I'll let Kim go ahead and answer this question. In the fall of 2005, Jay went to a SBCV leadership conference here at the church that we sponsored, and he learned a little bit about Dave Ramsey's money makeover plan. So he came home and he was telling me about it. We bought one of the books, and we prayed about it, and we were reading it together, and we really felt like the Lord was telling us to sell our house and pay off all our debt. So we did that, but little did we know that by being obedient then, three years later, God would bless us by sustaining us through Jay's heart and lung transplant that he had December 2008. So because, again, that we were obedient and we did what God told us to do, we made it through, and we were able to pay completely by the money we had saved for all of our hospital payments that came through and all of our part, portion of the transplant that was owed, as well as all the medicine that Jay had to be on. 
And right now, Jay, you're, you're with Duke University and are looking at possibly another transplant. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, I'm looking at a retransplant in the lungs. I lost 70% of my lung capacity last year. Uh, so I'm looking at a possible retransplant. I have been accepted to the Duke transplant program from Hopkins. That's where the original transplant was done. So looking forward to working with them and seeing what God has in store for us from here on out. Okay. So pray for Jay and their family in, in dealing with the, those health issues. But from there, Jay, share with them what you told me that the Lord laid on your guys' heart that you had talked about and uh, just because a word of encouragement and the challenge that you wanted to set forth to the congregation as well. Sure. God laid on uh, my heart, and I shared with Kim, and she shared the same conviction that we need to be challenged in the area of giving. And so Kim and I have made a commitment to the Lord that what we want to do is we want to increase our giving to the church. And in order to do that, what we want to do is give 1% more each month for 12 months, 12% total over a year. And for the, for the first 10 months, what we want to do is we want to give 1% a month each more of our tithe to the tithe. In the last two months, we want to give 1% more to missions. So therefore, over the a course of a year, we will have increased our giving 12% from where we are right now. Okay, so doubling your tithe, 1% each month for 10 months, and then the last 2% to missions. Yes, that's like right. Like a Lottie Moon offering, something like that. That's right. Well, that's awesome, um, you know, to hear that. And I think I heard a couple of gasps as, as you talked about doing that, But because obviously you guys are independently wealthy, you know, and... <laughs> Very different from much of the rest of the common folk and stuff. So kind of just a word of encouragement. Like, I mean, how are you guys able to do that? And then just what's it like to do to make such a huge financial commitment? Because uh, that, that's, a, that's a big deal. Well, you know, God always has a plan. And uh, we just need to follow that plan for our lives. And by doing so and learning about Dave Ramsey and the total, total money makeover back in 2005 that Kim alluded to, he established more or less, God established more or less a financial plan for our lives using Dave Ramsey uh, as one of his instruments in doing so. And Dave Ramsey has established a very simple program. It's seven steps that you follow uh, to save money, get out of debt, and be able to support the work of, of the Lord's ministry. And in doing so, Kim and I have been able to do what we've been able to do and continue to even grow in our own faith as well through our giving and through other means of ministry that we each share for this church. And so in doing so, uh, we have been through Financial Peace University. Uh, I facilitated it last year for the church. And again, I'm fortunate enough and privileged enough to facilitate it again for the church just this year, along with Robbie Riggs. We will be hosting Financial Peace University, which is roughly about a 13-week course, showing the seven steps to follow of how you can, whether you're in debt, out of debt, want to save more money, uh, want to learn about uh, being able to increase giving and supporting uh, the Lord's work. It's very simple. No matter where you are in your financial life, if you want to get financially fit or just establish a better plan than what you have right now, uh, this door is open for everybody. Uh, again, God has a plan. It's just for us to accept that plan and follow it. Amen. Well, thank you guys. We will certainly pray for you guys in, in your health stuff going on as well. So I'll thank you. <clears throat> All 
I would prayerfully ask you to consider uh, the double your tithe, 12% uh, challenge that Jay just talked about uh, in being able to increase your giving this year. To piggyback on the Financial Peace University, Shelly and I have taken that. Uh, I facilitated it in uh, several churches. It's been a part of every church that we've been in. It is a life-changing course. The principles, the tools, and the resources it gives you, it's a great course. It's going to start on Wednesday, January 26th. It'll take place on Wednesday evenings. There are two orientations, and they're the same, so you could come to either one on the 12th or the 16th. 16th come in and we'll show some video clips give you a overview of the 13-week course the lessons the topics the plan and stuff that that uh, jay alluded to uh, if you're interested then you can sign up then or if you know you want to take it uh, you can call the office we'll walk you through uh, getting signed up and getting a kit ordered and all of those things but it'll begin on on january the 26th but you can come and check it out at these orientations on the 12th and the 16th so those are some challenges for us in 2011 passionately pursuing God in Bible study and prayer, asking God to create within us a holy discontent and to stir within us and to move us to a new level of growth and maturity and obedience to him and sharing the gospel with those around us and being faithful in our giving, not just of our finances and those resources, but of our time and of our talents, because we need you to be a part of what's taking place, not on the sidelines watching, but in, in the mix, helping us accomplish and do what God has called us to do as he's given us the command in the Great Commission and we summarize by saying our mission is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We invite you to be a part of that work and what God is doing at Mount Pleasant Baptist Church.